Scooby-Doo, wah, wah, wah. Hey, cats, how you doing? It's a beautiful Sunday morning on Mother's Day at the time of this recording. Let's get into some smooth jazz, shall we? I thought I'd start the day off, babies, with this classic from 1959 from the album Kind of Blue. The one that changed everything, the most influential jazz album in history. From that cool cat, the incomparable, the indimitable, the impossible, Mr. Miles Davis. This is So What Babies Get Into It, yeah. Thank you. 
Habibi's, the most influential jazz recording in history. So influential, as a matter of fact, you can hear it on a lot of rock and roll songs. Dwayne Allman of the Allman Brothers said that his solos and a lot of his music was directly influenced by that record, Kind of Blue. Yeah, babies, check it out, even Pink Floyd was influenced. Keyboardist Richard Wright said that the chord progressions on the album influenced the structure of the introductory chords to the song Breathe from Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, yeah, babies. That record has sold about six million copies around the world, which is remarkable for a jazz record. It's not something that happens. It just doesn't. So, Mr. Miles Davis, the Miles Davis Sextet, Mr. Bill Evans, Cannonball Adderley, Jimmy Cobb, Paul Chambers. That's a monumental record. It is an absolute milestone and masterpiece. It's a departure from the hard bop style of jazz, of course. It was based entirely on modality. I don't know what that means, babies, but it sounds good to me. That record is, like I said, heavily influential. Miles Davis passed away a long time ago, about 1983. No, what am I saying? 1988, I believe. 88, 89, something like that. I'd have to check out those dates. The man influenced everybody. And when did he pass away? 91, 91. That was the fella. The guy who basically was the maestro, the master, the leader. The fella who... Everything that came afterwards was under his spell. Oh yeah, babies, you gotta listen to this record from start to finish, but today we're gonna listen to a few other records. Next up was the fellow who was playing the saxophone in that band, Mr. John Coltrane. Oh yeah, babies, this song was released um, in 1959 as well. Quite miraculous when you consider how monumental of a recording it was. The Blue Train Composition. 1958 was when it was written, but it was released in 59. Mr. John Coltrane. Get into it, babies. Thank you. 
wow, wow. Oh, yeah, baby, it's John Coltrane. From 1958, that was recorded in 57, released in 1958, when he was then a member of the Thelonious Monk Quartet. Oh, yeah, can you dig it? That record sold just under a million copies worldwide. Gold in the United States, the United Kingdom, Italy, and Canada. Pretty good numbers for a jazz record. It's not kind of blue, but it is in the blue train. Oh, that's a terrible pun. I do realize that. Gotta have some fun on a Sunday morning, right? At the church of John Coltrane. That's a real thing, by the way. It's a real church in San Francisco. Oh yeah, babies. John Coltrane, the man, the myth, the legend. Passed away at the age of 40 from liver cancer. Just a few months shy of his 41st birthday. The man who helped rewrite music. Of course, his monumental album following up from Blue Train was Giant Steps. I do have both of those records on the vinyl. And then, of course, there was his 1965 masterpiece, which was a strict departure from everything you just heard. A Love Supreme. Magnificent recording from a magnificent player. Always loved a John Coltrane. And that song, Blue Train, has been featured in a lot of television and movies. I'm sure you've heard it at one point or another and just did not recognize who it was or what it was. But check it out, babies. It's a good record to have in your jazz collection. So now it's time that we go to Montreal, Canada. Oh yeah, for the old P, the Maharaja of the keyboard. He was named that by Duke Ellington. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Oscar Peterson. Oh my goodness, babies. This is the cat who made us all swing. There's a statue of him just down the street from my house, right by the National Arts Center, where they play his music 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can sit on his piano bench next to Oscar Peterson himself and get your photograph taken. I strongly recommend that you do that if you are visiting the nation's capital. Born in 1925, he passed away in 2007 at the age of 82. He was living in Mississauga at the time. He suffered from tuberculosis when he was but a young boy, but managed to pull through, thank goodness gracious, because the man could play. I was introduced to his music as a young boy watching Sesame Street. That is true, babies. Oscar Peterson appeared many times on Sesame Street. I think in many ways that was how many children of my generation learned about jazz music. The piano and the O.P. himself, the original player, Mr. Oscar Peterson. I want to play a song from a record from uh, 1965, I believe. Let me just check the date on that. 1962, my apologies, 1962. A monumental recording that has been influential for years. Thank you. 
that song from Back to the Future, the opening sequence at the dance, the enchantment under the sea, where George McFly was dancing along to that song, grooving about. Now, you may be asking yourself, but if that movie was taking place in 1955, how could a song recorded by Oscar Peterson in 1962 be in the film? Did the filmmakers make a mistake? No, baby, that song was originally recorded in 1940. The most famous version by Jimmy Forrest was recorded in 1951, and that was the one that was used in the film. Now, why did I choose to use that Oscar Peterson uh, recording? Well, because I like it, and that's all that really matters, Barry's. Yeah, Oscar Peterson, the original player, the OP, the Maharaja of the keyboard, the gentleman who grew up in Little Burgundy in Montreal, and he was uh, a classically trained pianist, but he got into bebop and jazz and a little bit of boogie-woogie. He was known as the Brown Bomber of the boogie-woogie. Oh, babies. His parents had immigrated to Canada from the Caribbean, and boy, am I glad they did, because we were blessed with his magnificent playing. There will never be another one like him. He had over 200 records recorded in his lifetime. 
in a career that spanned more than 60 years. Can you believe that? That is incredible, babies. His statue, which is located at the National Arts Center at the corner of Elgin Street and I forget the cross street, but that's not important. It's right there. You can't miss it. His music plays 24-7. It was unveiled in 2010 by Queen Elizabeth herself, who was said to be quite the fan of his music. King, queen, princesses, everybody loved Oscar Peterson. The man was a smashing success throughout his entire life. He taught piano. He wrote. He recorded. He was kind. He was a gentleman. He was a gentleman's gentleman. And a musician's musician's musician. That's how good he was. His list of accolades is so long it's insane. I will name off a couple for you. He did win eight Grammys. He won the Grammy Award of a Lifetime. He's in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. He was uh, an Order of Canada officer in 1972 and awarded the Companion of the Order of Canada in 1984. He won Pianist of the Year in 1950 by Downbeat Magazine and then won again for the next 12 years in a row. The man was a monstrously talented musician. He won the Governor General's Performing Arts Award, the Order of Ontario, the Glenn Gould Prize, the Loyola Medal of Concordia University. His list of accolades is too long for me to, to ram off to you because we'd be here all day. You should seek out his work. The man was an absolute genius, and everybody wanted to work and record with him. Look for Mr. Oscar Peterson's records online. You can... You can find all of this on the Spotify. I do believe it is available on Deezer as well. And of course, there is YouTube music. Check it all out, babies. You know, he recorded with pretty much everyone. Ella Fitzgerald, Norman Granz, Benny Green, Coleman Hawkins, Milt Jackson, Ben Webster, Louis Armstrong, Count Basie, Ray Brown, Clark Terry, just to name a few. If you were a jazz musician, you wanted to work with O.P. And if you were lucky enough, you got to do that. So, let's go down the highway a little bit. We're going to play a song by a gentleman who uh, sadly passed away in 2001. He was a, a pioneer of the flute. He was the flautist uh, of the mostest. No, that doesn't even work, does it? That's a terrible, terrible attempt at rhyme. He was born in Toronto and grew up most of his life there. He, he studied at the Toronto Conservatory of Music and the Royal Conservatory of Music. Passed away in 2001. He was a saxophonist and a flautist, but his most famous piece was recorded in 1957. I've no doubt you've heard this song at some point in time in your lifetime. It's been featured in television, movies, soundtracks throughout the decades. This is Mo Kaufman, Mr. Mo Kaufman with Swingin' Shepherd's Blues.
Toronto. Monumentally influential musician. He played multiple, multiple instruments. He used to carry around two saxophones around his neck so he could switch up in the middle of a performance just to create a new sound. He used something called the uh, circular breathing technique so he could come up with large volumes of sound. He played with Maynard Ferguson, Dizzy Gillespie, and Peter Appleyard. He was an incredible, talented session musician, too. A lot of his music was used in commercials, television shows, radio programs. As a matter of fact, speaking of radio programs, if you've ever listened to the CBC show As It Happens, well, his composition Curried Soul and Cough Drops have been used as the opening and closing themes since 1972. Oh, yeah, babies. He was a companion of the Order of Canada, and he is an um, inductee into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame as well. Sadly, he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2000 and died of cancer in 2001 at the age of 72. Masterworks preserved uh, many of his uh, recordings throughout his lifetime because he was really that good. Long, long career. From 1940, I believe, he first got started. He was but a young boy at the time. Played right up until he died. Mr. Mo Kaufman, Swingin' Shepherd's Blues. That rendition has been recorded many times by many artists, but quite literally, the original is always the best, baby. So, it's time to take five. I don't mean a break, babies. I mean the song. Probably the most influential jazz piece in the sense that it's, a, it, it's inducted many people into the jazz world. Oh, yeah, babies. The Dave Brubeck Quartet recorded this in 1959. Not only was it a monumental recording, but the fact is the single itself sold more than a million copies, which is unheard of for a jazz single. That just doesn't happen. It is in the Library of Cong Congress because it is such an incredible recording. It's the only song on the record, actually, that Dave Brubeck didn't write. This was written by Mr. Paul Desmond. This is an absolute staple of jazz and pop music. It's been covered more than 40 times, but you know what? Only the original is worthwhile as far as I'm concerned. I've heard several covers and I don't like any of them. The only one that's worthwhile to me is the original because, let's face it, Take 5 is just perfection. The unique thing, it's from the album Time Out, which was uh, experimental in the time signatures used upon the recording of the record. It's in quintuple time. I dare to try and sample this and make something of it. It's next to impossible because the piano part is different than the drum part, which is different than the sax player. This recording has been used in so many movies, television shows over the years. I believe it was featured in a commercial a number of years back. I do not, I do not have the, uh, the documentation to verify that, but I do believe it was. Nevertheless... The monumental recording that is Take 5. Let's just get into it, baby, shall we? From the Dave Brubeck Quartet, recording 59. Third song on the album. This is Take 5. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Mr. Dave Brubeck Quartet. Take five. The song sold a million copies alone. The album that it was on, Time Out, hit number two in the pop charts in 1959. Unheard of for a jazz record, but there it is, babies. Dave Brubeck, Paul Desmond. Eugene Wright and Joe Morello, Mr. Joe Morello on the skins, Eugene Wright the bass player on the alto sax by Mr. Paul Desmond, the gentleman who wrote that song, the one song on the record that Mr. Brubeck did not write. That song has been used and sampled and recorded and re-recorded. Even Mr. Mo Kaufman himself recorded a version of it in 1995. Al Jarreau, George Benson, Chet Atkins, the String Cheese Incident and Stevie Wonder have all recorded versions of that. But the only one I like is the original, the one you just heard. Yeah, babies. Dave Brubeck sadly passed away in 2012 at the age of 91. That's a good long life. Considering he almost died back in 1951 when he dove into the surf in Hawaii. He was labeled as DOA, but they managed to pull him through. Thank goodness. He did damage his neck in spinal cord, but he pulled through and played up until he died. Mr. Dave Brubeck and the Dave Brubeck Quartet from the landmark album, Time Out. This has been your host, Mr. Hot Lips Harrigan. Scoodly oh wah 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 babies. Okay, I apologize for that silly silliness, but I thought I'd have a little bit of fun with it. If I was going to do an all-jazz recording, I thought I would... Uh, Pull the character from Season 1, Episode 2 of The Flintstones, Hot Lips Harrigan. You can find that online. Um, I don't know if it's available on YouTube, but the entire episode is online if you want to watch it. Hot Lips Harrigan was a, a musician friend, a sax player friend of Fred Flintstones in the episode. And if you pay attention, if you watch the episode from start to finish, you'll notice that the... Um, the starting of the show, the program, the, the credits roll at the beginning with the, the theme song was different from subsequent years. Also, you might notice a major resemblance to The Simpsons and how it begins. I do believe that was done intentionally. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this weird little sojourn I had on a Sunday morning. I like to start my Sunday mornings off with, a, with jazz and a cup of coffee. And uh, I thought I'd share that with you. So for Mother's Day, from my uh, dining room, this is uh, your friend Paul. Hope you're all doing well. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Bye for now, people. Talk to you later today. Yeah.